Philippians 2.10 testifies that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. It doesn't matter who you are or what you believe, black, white, gay, straight, male, female, vaccinated or not, there is one ultimate truth that we will all be held accountable to, and this one truth is laid out for us in Scripture. Matthew 4.4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There is no area of life that God has not addressed in His living word, and law enforcement is no exception. It doesn't matter if you're a cop, crop duster, or cobbler, policeman, plumber, or politician, you are under the direct authority of Christ, the King of Kings. And if you have, as Christ commanded in Luke 9.23, taken up your cross and followed Him, then you're right beside me as a deputy of Christ. Alright, hello and welcome back to Deputies of Christ. Alright, so as you may have already noticed, um, I got tired of bad sound quality and I had enough people reach out and be like, bro, you should fix this. So I actually went out and bought a actual nice studio mic. So hopefully you can hear me without crackling and noises and uh, birds and everything in the background, but we'll see. Okay, as far as the show today, this, this one's going to be fun. Um, you know when I have to put like three disclaimers on a show... It's going to be juicy, and I'm going to have to do that today. And actually, it may be more than one show. It usually takes two pages of notes for me to fill up a 30-minute show, and I have five, almost six. So probably be split into two parts and put out half this week, half next week. We'll see. Okay, so today I want to get into talking about comparing preventative and restorative justice. This is a big topic, and it's going to be a bit controversial. Correction, it's going to be very controversial, especially the second half on some of the points I'm making. So... I need to put some disclaimers out there. First off, I'm not an expert on law or biblical law. This is just what I've learned in the study that I've done. Second off, even though I don't agree with everything that we have in our criminal justice system right now, does not mean that I want to uproot the system and change everything from the ground up. There are some crucial things that I want to see changed, but honestly, I don't even know if many of them I will see in my lifetime changed if I had my way. Uh, it's going to be a gradual process of changing things and I still believe that at the root, the, the base system that we have set up, um, especially in our branches of government, is good. It's more of the way we handle our criminal justice system and the way we do things um, inside those different branches that I would want to see change. And then thirdly, just because I don't agree with everything we have in the criminal justice system does not mean that I have a conscience issue enforcing it as a deputy. There are always boundaries that we must draw in our own lives. Those personal bounds is what makes the system we have work because you're relying on the morals and judgment of the individual officers, not one man high and mighty at the top of the system. But having a system like this where you're depending upon the individual uh, morals and ethics and principles of the officers and people at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak, rather than the judgment of one person at the top is how you get a truly just system. That's how you get that ultimate accountability, and that's what we—that's what we need. That's what we want, and that's how our system is set up. But we all have those personal limits and bounds, and uh, I'm trying to say everything very carefully here. Limitations as to what we believe is right and what we are willing to do, and that's good. But with the things that I'm speaking of right now, I do not have a conscious issue enforcing uh, laws as a law enforcement officer, even if I don't agree with all of them. They are not to that point where I believe that 
they are contradicting my morals and what I believe. So I'll restate that later as I get into more controversial stuff, but I want to get it out there at the beginning. Okay, so let's get into the meat. There are several different aspects of justice in the justice system. There's retributive justice, rehabilitative justice, restorative justice, preventative justice. I'm sure I'm missing a few. Um, they all it, it all breaks down into these several different categories. And true justice is actually a, bl a slight blend of all of them, aspects of all of them. Um, so you have uh, retributive justice, which is paying for the wrong you've done. Um, rehabilitative justice, attempting to reconcile the criminal with the affected party or the uh, culture. And then... These last two I kind of added on. Um, I believe that it can all, all the other kinds can kind of fit into these two umbrellas of restorative and preventative justice. They're, it's two different ways of approaching justice. But restorative justice, you can actually, I'm going to get to definitions here in a minute, but restorative justice is restoring what was wrong and reconciling the relationship. And preventative justice is obviously seeking to prevent evil from happening. Okay, so let's let's try and define terms here. If you go and I love just Googling definitions, you can get some entertaining ones. But preventative justice definition is the system of measures taken by a government with reference to the direct prevention of crime. Pretty straightforward. And then restorative justice is a system of criminal justice which focuses on rehabilitation of offenders through reconciliation with victims and the community at large. I don't agree with all of that definition. I like part of it, and there's some of it that I'm like, okay, I don't like how they stated it, but I agree with what they're saying. <laughs> there's there's things I would change about this definition, but basically I'm just going to change it into the definition of biblical justice, which is what I'm going to try and define next. So I guess I'll just let that sit. Okay, now before I actually give in, or give in, before I actually give the biblical definition of justice, I want to reference back to my favorite, Isaiah 1, 16 and 17 where it says, we are to seek justice. This is an interesting word to use. It's not restore justice, it's not uphold justice, it's seek justice. To me, this reminds me that justice is not some equilibrium that holds the world in balance. It's, it's not as we kind of view it in a secular sense, sense sometimes. <laughs> wow, I'm actually, I am actually gonna make this analogy. Um, any Star Wars nerds out there, you know, the whole the whole idea of the force of good and evil that hold each other in balance. And it's not like the bad is evil and the good is good. It's the, the equal. They, they must be held equal in check, holding each other together right in the middle. That's true. That That's where the, the balance, quote, of the force is. That's not justice. Justice is not this one thing. And when evil happens, it ticks towards evil and we have to do right to take it back to the scale. Justice. God is justice. And we live in a fallen world. There isn't something that we must restore, quote-unquote, after an evildoer commits a crime. The ultimate justice is God versus sin. Civil justice is only one aspect of this. This being the case, justice is not something that we can hold and control in our human hands. True justice is only achieved as we pursue God in all areas of life. And we'll be seeking justice until the end of time. I had to kind of re-aim my focus as I was writing this from a secular sense of criminal justice to true definition and reminder of what what is justice god is just literally god is just like god is justice he's perfect he's right and 
he has put that into creation and it is our job to as we live in a fallen world pursue after him and try to restore that justice in creation because we are called to be christ-like okay now on to the biblical definition now i wrote this biblical definition probably five times and i'm still not super happy with how it turned out i think it's okay but it could be much better and once again i'm not a bible scholar so there's probably some errors in here this is just the best i could do also it's fairly long um i mean literally this whole show is trying to define biblical justice so it's kind of hard to stick that into two sentences but here we go the biblical justice of definition that i was able to come up with is upholding the sanctity of life man's right to have dominion over his given property and the reverence of authority structure that god has built into creation from day one through restoring evil committed and punishing the evildoer according to god's law and with the principle that every man, woman, and child is created in the image of God. So again, not perfectly stated, and I will have to dig in and define some of that as we go along, but that's what I came up with. Okay, so let's take a minute and talk about um, preventative and restorative justice. Preventative justice is literally and obviously trying to stop a crime before it happens. And I have two point slash problems with this the first one is wow i referenced star wars and marvel in this show that's okay i guess that's how we're rolling um the best example i can think of for this would be for anybody that's seen captain america winter soldier um if you haven't seen it basically the premise of the movie is this secret government um agency they make these basically flying battles this sounds super stupid when you just say it they make these flying battleships they have a super complicated algorithm built in that takes all your information online your bank records your criminal history your online social media accounts and it files or cycles through them and identifies if you are a possible terroristic threat in the future to the country and then with the hundreds of thousands of super 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 accurate sniper weapons it has on board it will shoot you so basically it will execute millions of people quote unquote possible criminals before they commit their crime their defense line was, you know, it's a small place to, price to pay for securing the safety of the nation. Obviously, there's a million problems with that. Fantastic movie. It actually dealt with it very, very well. The best quote in the whole movie, well, there's a lot of good quotes in that movie. But one of the best quotes in the movie is when uh, Nick Fury is showing Captain America these ships for the first time. And Captain America responds with, that's funny. I thought the punishment usually came after the crime. It's like, ah, oh, yes, that is. Oof. I should just, that. I should just make that the title of the show, honestly, because that's... <laughs> I might just do that. That's pretty funny. Okay, now back to being serious. The second thing or problem that I have with preventative justice is preventative justice basically denies the sovereignty of God, which I'm going to get into a little later on in the future, but basically, I really don't want to get into that a whole lot right now. If you're believing that you have to stop crime because nobody else is there to do it, you're denying that there's a higher authority and you're denying that God has given us certain roles to do in the act of criminal um, justice and God will uphold the rest. So you're, you're denying that that's ever happened. You're denying that God has authority. You're call, or taking it upon yourself to um, be responsible for all crime, which is not what we're supposed to do. Okay, second point about preventative justice is it inevitably ends up with more governmental control at the cost of freedom. When you have no God, the state will take its place. That is basic. If you have no 
no higher authority, nothing you're bound to, nothing you're held to, and I've addressed this in the past. But if you have no higher authority that you report to, the government will nine out of ten times become the god that you worship. And I'm not talking intentionally fall down on your knees and worship, but that's what you give all of your money to. That is what you rely on for your safety in your personal life and in your um, uh, public life. It's what you depend on for funding on so many things. I mean, there's just so many areas that the federal, well, federal and state, any kind of government, any kind of civil government will creep in and start having influence in every area of your life. And when something like that has that much influence, it is your defining and controlling source, therefore making it your God. And then the second point to this is kind of along those lines, the government has to be bigger. I mean, if, if the government is doing more than simply punishing someone when they break the law, if they're trying to prevent crime, they're going to have to be bigger. You're going to have to have more agencies, more people working, more funding, more power. And that will actually change the outlook of law enforcement. It will change the purpose of law enforcement from punishing those who step out of line and break the law to keeping the people in line. And it doesn't really sound like a huge shift, but if you think about it, it is because it turns from a defensive to an offensive stance. It changes from... And I'm not, I'm not trying to say we have this right now. We have it more than I would like, but we're not in a dystopian... Uh, kind of sense where every anytime the law enforcement officer shows up on your doorstep it's a bad deal i'm not trying to say that i'm just saying this is the end result of the path of total preventative justice which we do not have right now we're have much more than i would like but we do not have total preventative justice okay so this is a big deal because it changes the point of law enforcement from being on the people's side to and uh, defending and interposing for the people's behalf to keeping an eye on everybody, watching everybody, waiting for somebody to step out of line so you can push them back. It it changes the whole purpose of law enforcement. Another sub-point off of that is, another reason this is a problem is because not in this, it's tailored to law enforcement, but basically the government in general, when the government becomes this big and it becomes this ultimate force that's responsible for dealing with evil, it bends the rules. The government bends can bend the rules because they're stating they don't have any higher up power or higher authority they're held accountable to law enforcement is not held above the law and it's not held above god's law and, and I, I feel like i'm blowing this into a bigger thing and I'm, I'm leaving implications that i don't uh i don't want to but there, quite frankly put there are things that law enforcement are able to do and say that i don't wish i don't think they should be able to okay the the next big and i guess this is my biggest thing everything could fall under this one point is that i think the preventative justice system is not biblical. Whenever you see biblical examples or uh, biblical commands for justice, it never speaks of punishment before a crime. Um, I mean, if it's one thing if there's probable cause. I mean, I'm not saying that um, you have to wait for if law enforcement or anybody is on the side of something and somebody's got a gun to somebody else's head. You don't have to wait for them to pull the trigger before you act. Obviously not. That's stupid. They are showing intent to harm. There is such a thing as probable cause. Another thing is one example that's come up a lot in the last couple of years is the example of parapets in um, scripture. Uh, God commanded Israel to build a parapet or a fence, a net around the roof of their house to catch anybody that fell off. 
there was no government agency set up to make sure that everybody did put a parapet on their house. There was no hotline to call if somebody didn't put a parapet up on their house. It would go directly to a priest and the priest would yell at them. Uh, there was no fine for not putting it up. There was no punishment. But if you failed to put one up as God commanded and somebody fell off your roof and injured themselves, then that blood was on your hands because you failed to do God's command. You failed to protect life in that reasonable way. Not everything falls under that example, but that is that principle applies of if something goes wrong on your watch, it's your fault, basically is what it boils down to. If somebody hurts themselves and gets injured because of something you did not prevent and it was easily preventable, it was a logic stri- or logical straightforward thing to do and you did not do it, then that's your fault. Okay, my last point, and this one I'm kind of just going to put out there and leave. I will address it a little later on, but not much. A lot of the preventative laws we have are really just out there to fund the government. And that sounds like a conspiracy theory, and I don't want it to. But if you, I mean, look at look look at the licensing offices we have. Look at the ridicul- million ridiculous city codes we have. Look at the a lot of driving laws we have. It's not that the act itself is wrong. It's that, one, it may prevent you from harming yourself in some future way, or two, the government can collect a fee from it, and that can fund the government. Which sounds really bad for me saying, but if you're coming from this um, preventative justice view where you think that's okay, you have no higher authority, uh, there's nothing you're held accountable to, and you have to fund it somehow, so you're going to have to fund it through taxes and fees. I mean, there's no other way to do it other than donations, which people do too. It sounds really bad for me just saying it, and I put a disclaimer saying I was not going to make everybody happy with the show, and that's just one example. Okay, enough about preventative justice. Let's get into restorative justice. Restorative justice is the act of punishing a criminal after the crime has been committed, with the emphasis on restoring what was wronged and punishing the criminal with the hope of repentance. That was kind of my little homemade definition of restorative justice. It also kind of echoed biblical justice because I believe restorative justice is biblical justice. God is all-knowing, and God knew that mankind was going to sin before man sinned. God could have just not created man. He could have punished Adam before he ate the fruit, but he didn't. He waited until we had fallen, we had done the wrong, and then he gave us the curse. That right there is proof that true justice comes or true justice means the punishment comes after the crime other places i could go with that and other points to be made and things to clarify but i'm once again going to move on because i've got a lot of notes to get through i'm on page two of five now and 20 nice okay so this is definitely going to be two shows at this point okay if you have a restorative justice system it'll end up with less government control but it is dependent on higher authority and control, and it will depend on you relying and trusting on that higher authority, i.e. God. The sovereignty of God has huge implications in every area of life, including here. God is all-knowing and able to intervene whenever he deems necessary. So our job is to fulfill the duty that he has given us, and we are to leave the rest to God. When somebody comes with an accusation, uh, especially murder or something, it has to be accompanied by two or three witnesses, or else it cannot be punished. So there are times in biblical law and today when you can be dead certain you've got the right murderer, but you don't have two witnesses or three witnesses. You can't convict. 
And that seems crazy, that seems heartless on our part, but that is the law that God has instituted. And we have to trust that if there are only two witnesses and we can't convict that person, then, all right, Lord, we can't take this. This is out of our realm of authority you've given us. And this is in your heavenly courtroom. And, I mean, obviously it's God's duty anyway. He's just delegated that part to us if it steps outside of that realm and it's too, not too big, but not does not meet the requirements for us to be able to fulfill it, then uh, it falls, it's back in God's lap. And obviously he knows this and he's going to deal with it. Second point is that the restorative system of government is how I see, or what I see laid out in scripture. Um, you look through especially the Pentateuch, um, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, I mean, they all have God's law pact in there. And the fact that we're now in the new covenant with, after the cross does not change this. I just have to feel, I feel like I have to address this real quick because you get it brought up if you bring this up in some crowds. Um, Jesus said he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And then Jesus references Old Covenant law after he resurrects multiple times, proving that it's still in effect. Okay, as I look through my notes and see that I'm at basically 30 minutes now, um, this next point is an entire page of notes in and of itself, so I'm not going to get into that. So this is where I'm going to wrap up the show for today. It wasn't a super pretty and even ending spot, but... I got the basics out there of preventative versus restorative justice. And I, I really didn't actually say this at the beginning, and I definitely should have. That was a huge overlook at my part. Um, yeah, I kind of just implied it, but I never actually said it. So the, the, the pre whole preventative and restorative justice thing that I'm speaking of, I believe restorative justice is the proper biblical perspective with the definite, I read that or little definition I made earlier. Um, the act of punishing the criminal after the crime has been committed with the emphasis on restoring what is wronged and punishing the criminal with the hope of repentance. I see that being the biblical approach to criminal justice. And then preventative justice, if I can find that definition. So the act of attempting to stop a crime before it is committing, committed because the state sees itself as the highest authority. So I kind of put those two out there, and the reason I did is because I see this battle of central government centralization is all about preventative justice, whereas a biblical approach to justice, I believe, would be a restorative justice. And I see these two battling, and I see, I see that our government has been set up on restorative justice foundation, but I believe preventative justice for years now has, has been seeping in and trying to turn the tables, and I believe it's, it's in there a lot. That's kind of, that's where I'm coming from, is biblical justice is restorative justice, I think. And the government system we have now is tending towards the preventative justice side, which I don't agree with. Next, next time is where I'm going to get into some more juicy stuff. I'm still debating about how juicy, because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to get into. And uh, it's going to be controversial and be juicy, so that'll be interesting. Okay, that's all I've got for today. Um... Tune in next week for the second part, um, but until then, adios. Brothers and sisters, as true Christians, we have surrendered our lives and rights to Christ. As such, we are held to a high standard. We don't have the right to remain silent. We have been called to spread the gospel and claim ground for Christ in every area of life. Everything we say and do, we will be held accountable for in the throne room of God. So act wisely. We do not deserve representation before our Lord for all our shortcomings. But we have been assigned to the ultimate mediator between God and man. He has pled our case and won our freedom. 
Having heard these rights, it is now up to us if we choose to go forward and fulfill our calling as deputies of Christ. Thank you.